Thanks for checking out this weekly Sunday message from Carrollton UMC. We pray that God will use this to speak to you and help you grow in faith. We invite you to join us this Sunday at our 10.30 a.m. one-hour service in person at our location in Uptown New Orleans or live online on our YouTube channel or Facebook page. To learn more about Carrollton, please visit carrolltonumc.com. We hope you enjoy this message. Our scripture today comes from 1 Corinthians 6, verse 19, just a single verse. Paul writing to the Corinthians. The Corinthians who were, who were not always on the beam. They were, they were not the, the, the church that, that followed all the rules. So Paul's admonishing them. He says, do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. The word of God for us, the people of God, let us pray. <clears throat> Dear Heavenly Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable to you in all ways, for you are our rock and our ever-present redeemer. Amen. I mentioned last week that the, the topic for last week's sermon came to me Pretty simply, it was the Sunday was the day after the first day of fall, and I said, let's have a sermon called The Fall, and we'll make it about the fall of man, and we did it. And so sermon topics for me, sometimes they come from a slightly deeper thought process, although I always contend that if I were actually writing these sermons, that would be bad. Instead, I will contend to you that God intervenes constantly and inspires constantly when I'm writing, and trust me, you can be thankful for that. So this week, when I get the idea and the inspiration for today's sermon, I didn't want to disregard it, although it seemed to me at the time kind of far out in left field, and I was concerned I was kind of letting me take over instead of letting God in to take over the process, but here it goes. All right, I'm driving around thinking about a restaurant. I do that a lot. We spend a lot of time in the Mississippi Gulf Coast area, in the Waveland and Bay St. Louis area. Did you know that there's not an Italian restaurant in that area anywhere? In order to get Italian, you've got to traipse all the way over to Diamond Head, which is not that terribly far away, but it's not like down the street in Bay St. Louis. Anyway, shout out to Aroma Restaurant, Italian restaurant in Diamond Head. Food is fantastic. So I'm thinking to myself, somebody ought to open up an Italian restaurant in like Bay St. Louis. And then I thought to myself, maybe I'll do it. And then I started remembering how good the food is at the restaurant Diamond Head. And I think, what do I know about running a restaurant and cooking food like that? For example, where does that man get his mozzarella cheese? And how does he get it so perfectly toasty on top of the dishes? Is it just skill? Or does he know about a particular grade of mozzarella cheese that I know nothing about? How would I begin to access all of those subtleties? That would take a lot of time and effort and focus. And there it was, subtleties. And I started to think about how so much of my interaction with God over the years and day to day has involved a subtle intervention and a subtle appearance by God. And I thought, if I don't put a lot of time, effort, and focus on my relationship with God, 
I'm likely going to miss those subtleties. Or maybe we will experience them, but we won't have any reason to believe that those activities are coming from God or driven by heavenly forces. Now, we all know that disconnected feeling, the inclination to, to think that there's got to be more to this whole Christian life. We sometimes feel there is a disconnect between what we read about Christianity and learn about Christianity and what we see in our lives. Now, I, I know there's a disconnect uh, when we consider the gap between God's holiness and our sinfulness, but the gap that I'm talking about is different. It's the pestering thought of where is God in all of this? Where is God in my life? Because I think back to an Old Testament book like Judges, and there is God through the Holy Spirit, so present. There's incredible feats of power and strength, and there are incredible victories for the underdog. And the Holy Spirit seems undeniably tangible, or the Holy Spirit showing up in the New Testament in the book of Acts, and their miraculous healings, and prophetic speech, uh, speeches, and people speaking in tongues. And we want to know where is that powerful, all creative, tangible, palpable Holy Spirit? in my life. And let me pause here for a minute on the Holy Spirit, on what or who the Holy Spirit is. Now, I don't claim to be the world's number one authority on this, but here's how I appreciate it. There's a certain economy with the Holy Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. God the Father remains in heaven. The Son, Jesus, came down to earth to be with us. And the Holy Spirit, well, Jesus briefly explains the Holy Spirit in John 16, verse 7. He says this, he says, very truly I tell you, it is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the Holy Spirit will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Now, I don't know why that has to be that way, but Jesus says it is, so I'll take it as gospel. But it, it makes sense to me, right? So when Jesus is here on the earth, God is literally present with, with us here in the form of Christ. And when that's not happening, the presence of God is here with us through the Holy Spirit. Now, whether we recognize it or not, and we should recognize it, the Holy Spirit is always at work in your life, 24-7, nonstop. But I will contend that we tend to completely overlook that subtle nature of the ministry of the Holy Spirit. For example, did you know that when we study Scripture and learn about Jesus and apply that to our lives, that's a function of the Holy Spirit? Jesus says in John 16, verse 13, he says, but when he, the Holy Spirit, comes, he will guide you into all truth. Note that Jesus didn't say, well, or you can pick up all that stuff on your own. You don't need God's help. That's just not how it works. Or how about verse 8 of the same chapter in John where Jesus says, when the Holy Spirit comes, he will prove the world to be wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. So anytime you feel a conviction about something you've done wrong or you feel a thirst for hunger and righteousness and justice and mercy, that's the Holy Spirit at work. What about all the fruits of the Holy Spirit? Galatians 5, you know these. The fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, all from the Holy Spirit. And Paul, in that same verse, is really clear to distinguish, contrast those fruits from what he calls works of the flesh, you know, the things that we conjure up. Immorality, impurity, wastefulness, idolatry, sorcery, hate, strife, jealousy, anger, selfishness. 
dissension. And Romans 15 tells us that hope comes from God now through the Holy Spirit because God is the God of hope. Now, as you can imagine, that list is not exhaustive. But why do we miss it? Why, why do we miss the subtle workings of the Holy Spirit in our lives? Well, if you haven't read some of those scriptures we just referred to, how would you know? That's an advertisement, folks, to come to a Bible study here at the church, all right? But, of course, the biggest problem for us is more than likely this. We tend to take the credit for what the Holy Spirit is doing in us and around us. We think that we're doing God's work and take, granted, take for granted that God is giving us both the desire and the ability to carry out his good purposes. This is pretty clearly addressed in Philippians 2 when Paul says this. He says, for it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill God's good purposes. Now this, though, explains that strange dichotomy that we see out there when people do seemingly good things but for their own self-promotion instead of for God's glory. Indeed, the act itself is probably good and probably motivated by God, but claiming the personal credit for that and pushing God out of the equation places the doer in a position where he or she is at best no better off with God for having made the effort. It is only when we recognize that we have nothing in and of ourselves without God that we can see and do that anything good and noble, that any love, mercy, compassion, pursuit of righteousness and justice, that we can see that that is from God through the Holy Spirit and not from ourselves alone. When it comes to appreciating the subtlety of the Holy Spirit, I can think of no better illustration than what happened in the Old Testament with the prophet Elijah. You may remember at one point in his life, he was like, I got to get out of here. He's on the run, fearing for his life, is hiding in a cave. He's like losing his mind. He's in profound emotional upheaval and feeling isolated, and he's despairing. Consider God's interaction with him. Elijah, go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord, and behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind tore into the mountains and broke the rocks in pieces before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake came, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a still, small voice. So it was when Elijah heard it that he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood in the entrance of the cave. Suddenly a voice came to him and said, what are you doing here, Elijah? Isn't that fascinating? A man who had seen all kinds of demonstrations of God's power and then experiences a fierce wind and an earthquake and a fire, and yet God wasn't in any of those. Instead, in this case, God was in the still, small voice. Perhaps God wanted to teach Elijah not to miss the supernatural while looking for the spectacular. So our goal this week as we go forward is to put our time and our effort and our focus, you can call it the mozzarella cheese equation, put our time, our effort, 
and our focus into looking for God in everything, including the small stuff, and encourage other people to do that, to notice those things. And if anyone asks you, well, what's the danger in missing the subtlety of the Holy Spirit? You can tell them it's the other side of the coin from falling away from God and becoming sinful, which is also potentially subtle. Like we mentioned last week, most people who fall away from God, even famous figures in Scripture, don't begin as massive sinners. Instead, they begin as complacent followers. We have to avoid the old frog in the pot syndrome. You know that one? They say if you put a frog in hot water, the frog will jump out because it recognizes the danger. But if you put a frog in a pot of cool water and slowly turn up the heat, then gradually the frog just stays there. doesn't become aware of the danger until it's too late. The combination of ignorance of the Holy Spirit working in your life and letting sin enter in can be like that. Fairly unrecognized and underrated until your disconnection from God and sinfulness grows so large. Well then, well, it's not too late, but you may be unwilling to do what it takes to right the ship. Let us pray. Dear God, make today the day that we right the ship, that we eliminate the distance between you and us, that we begin to see you in everything in our lives. Lord, because you're there, Scripture tells us, and we know it inherently if we just look and acknowledge and accept. Lord, we pray all these things in the name of Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord and Savior. Amen.